2: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm very, very excited about today's show. My special guest is known as the tell-it-all psychic therapist. He's also a spiritual teacher and an author. His achievements, talents, and gifts are endless. I am extremely proud and honored to have him here today to discuss his new book, The Secret, what is blocking you? So I'm gonna give a warm welcome to Vincent Jenna.
0: Hey Mary, how are you today? I'm
2: fabulous, I'm even more fabulous now that you're here.
0: Oh, <laughs> listen to you, well thank you very much. I wish I had some of that comic myself.
2: Yeah. yeah, I'm good at the buttering up, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I'm so glad that you are joining me. Um, I really am very impressed. You have a resume that is not non-unstoppable. I mean, I, it's just <laughs> what haven't you done, Vincent?
0: Well, <laughs> oh, um, the, the age automatically creates a great long resume. That's for sure. Um, uh, <laughs> What haven't I done is um, Make lots and lots of money No, I've been fine But that's, that's my wife's biggest complaint Anyway, you gotta make more money, Vinny I'm like, okay, no problem, we'll manifest it No, um, no, I, I have done a lot Because I, I do have a lot of experience I've been doing this work for 40 years now I mean, uh, when I look back on it I'm like, wow, I, I can't believe All that time that has gone by But it's it's been an, an endless growth and And joy Joy and um excitement so yeah it's been it's been going a long time now
2: yeah and it's like you know how time is like fluid and when we we have these lives that we do so many things and you look back and you're like how did i get all that in you know <laughs> how did that happen <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. And the way you say it like that is so true. My wife and I talk about it all the time, especially since I've had so many different lives. See, I, I used to be a professional actor and then I lived in California and I did movies and I did television and I did musical theater. And that was one lifetime. And then, um, as I was telling you earlier, I had my own business as a mobile dish jockey just at the same time that I had my, my spiritually transformative event or events that shall we say, that brought me to what I'm doing now. But even that was a different lifetime. And so, you know, we we do have these different lifetimes and you look at them and such a story. I actually am excited about the different lifetimes that I had and uh, both my wife and I and with the children and the grandchildren and that's another lifetime in itself right there, right? right? So it, uh, it makes life very exciting, it does.
2: Yeah, yeah, and grandchildren. And they, they oh. do make your life. It's
0: There's nothing like right. it. Oh, yes. it's the reason why you suffer with the kids so much. I mean, right, right. <laughs> you pay off. <laughs> I, 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 I love my children. We have such a great relationship. But yeah, well, you know, all the stuff that you go through and dealing yeah. with them in school problems and this problem. And then they they get married and they have grandchildren and you forget all of those problems and you go, oh, my God, look at how wonderful this is. That's so, right. That's yeah, right. right?
2: They give us those blessings for sure. Yes,
0: they do. Absolutely. And they are so blessings I, themselves.
2: Yeah. I, um, uh, in one of your interviews, I heard this story about how you opened up to your gifts with the friend Ooh. that was in trouble. And yeah, we share a little bit about that before we get into the book?
0: yeah well um what's really interesting is there was a gentleman who was my enemy during school because he caused most of my bullying i was completely bullied i was the one that was picked out of the entire school um over 750 people from elementary school all the way through high school that was bullied constantly on a daily basis and he was the super jock and also the class clown now when you put those two talents together he becomes really popular and the funny thing is is he never abused me personally himself, but all he would do is call out my name and instigate all the other kids in the school to start picking on me and that's what would happen. So um, At our 10-year high school reunion, I went to it. I had just finished doing the movie Grease. I was a singer and dancer in the original movie Grease, so that made me a little famous in my town. So when I went to the reunion, everybody was on top of me in a very positive way for a change, and it was kind of like a the fella story Well, he just ran across the hall when he saw me, yelled out my name, grabbed me, hugged me like a bear, wouldn't let me go. What just wouldn't let me go. And in that, I heard him unconsciously or in his mind say, I am so sorry. And just he just held on to me and it became so dear. And he sat on my table most of the night and we spent time afterwards or into the all hours of the morning that he became a very close friend. So my enemy now becomes my dearest friend, right? But his life was falling apart. At least I knew his life was falling apart. He was in a major crisis. He wasn't telling anybody, but I just knew in my heart something was wrong. I mean, he was, oh, bragging. He was the one that if you say, how are you doing? well, forget it, it's gonna be hours of him talking about himself and bragging about all these fabulous things. And all I kept hearing is, nah, something's wrong there, something's wrong there. And after spending a weekend with him, my wife and I spent a weekend with him in Connecticut at his condo and on our drive home, um, we were living in New York, we had moved back to New York on Long Island at the time and we're driving home and I'm in tears. I'm in just tears because I feel his heart breaking and I didn't understand that. And so I cried out to God, please, you got to give me the ability to be able to help him. I mean, at that time, I was a professional singer, actor, and dancer. Who knew? I didn't know how to give counseling. I certainly knew that all actors went for counseling, but I didn't know how to give it or help him in any way. So I cried out, and please give me some tools, some abilities here to help him. And people like him. I know what it was like to have your self-esteem, your self-belief torn away. Well, within a week of that prayer, Mary, that Steven Spielberg and Cecil B. DeMille in his grave would be proud of the events, the epic story that went on. It was a movie like you can't believe over the next couple of months with with I'm talking. There were spirits in the house There now we're bringing in introducing psychics that I never knew and then voices in my head, information pouring in me, me trancing and a voice and a guide speaking out of me, kind of like Abraham. Hicks and and also Edgar Casey and all of this stuff was going on week after week after week and we thought my wife wasn't sure what to do about this am I going crazy but she had been with me since I was 17 years old so she knew that any of this material that was coming out of me I didn't know and I wasn't into this type of stuff but I was coming out with the meaning of life who we are who God is and all the spirits and why we're here all of that All of this knowledge that was accumulated in all of these books. And so that's where it began. I call it a. spiritual transformative event Rather than an NDE, a near-death experience Mm -hmm. But that's when everything changed in my life And the doors of wisdom opened up And my psychic abilities began to grow and and appear And then from that it was mediumship abilities And then speaking with animals, that started growing And now lately, over the past couple of years It's been speaking with an intergalactic spiritual council Of aliens that are communicating with me Because of all of these sightings and these visions visitations from other universes, they're now talking to me so that I have a better explanation as to what's going on and I can help people understand that. So it's been an unbelievable development and growth. I was Pushing it aside the entire Beginning because I still wanted to be A professional singer actor and dancer And win a Tony Oscar and an Emmy But I just eventually Went along with it it developed um, Because I was getting these skills I even went back to school got my BA In psychology my masters in clinical Social work because if I was going to dive Into the human mind with my psychic Ability I wanted to make sure I didn't Cause any damage no harm And that I actually did real good so I wanted To know all about the workings of the human mind that's why i went back to school so that's what led up till today my enemy became the catalyst to the greatest gifts that i have in my life
2: yeah it's wonderful how the divine works in our lives when we're open and receptive and allow it to happen it really is and it It was yes
0: it was my first if i have to admit it it was my first selfless request You know, all the other times you pray for yourself and things like that. And I still what's interesting, I still prayed for myself. I didn't ask God to help him. I asked God to help me to help him, which was so weird. But it must have been part of my plan. And it took that long in order for that to awaken within me. Because when I put the pieces of the puzzle together, it all seems to have fallen into place that this had to be a a direction or a blueprint that I set out for myself so that I could be the spiritual teacher that I am today.
2: Right. Right. And it and it does. It's like. Everything just evolves in divine order.
0: You oh, know, we, totally.
2: It, it, and we get shown the things. I, I like to use the analogy of the old paper map. You know, if you keep it folded, you'll see part of the path. And then when you are to the point where you're ready for the next part, the universe, divine, will flip over to the next page and you'll get to see where you're going from there. Because you have to prepare yourself and heal yourself and work on the things that are in our program. Absolutely.
0: Brain. And you said something that's very important is is the divine may help you with the plans, but you're the one that has to pick up that map. And you're the one that has to turn the page and accept it because I knew I wasn't accepting what my calling was, what my soul was telling me that I was meant to do. My human side wasn't accepting it right away. And it wasn't until I finally accepted it that it just unfolded by itself day by day, moment by moment. But I was the one that had to go there and say, "Okay, bring it on. Right. Um, and that's what a lot of people have to understand. And they want they want something. They want to be able to go. They want to be special in a way to be able to make an impact, be remembered, help somebody, help the world. That's most of the people that I deal with. That's all they say. They just don't see themselves as that conduit. They don't see themselves as that divine or magnificent being because of the stories that we've all been handed down with about who we are. You know, whether it be religions that told us that we were sinners. Or now that um, your, your ego gets in the way, so you'll never get up there and, and be as, 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 you know, in higher consciousness as you would like. There's always some kind of problem with us that we're always holding on to. So it's very difficult to think that we could be ones because there's nothing special about me. I just finally went along with what I was meant to do, and uh, but I bucked it the entire time. And so it wasn't like I said, until I went along with it, that it unfolded the right way and everybody can have it unfold for them.
2: Right. Right. And it's like if you grow up and all you hear is that you'll never amount to anything or, you know, like money doesn't grow on trees. So then develops this this fear of lack of everything. And these are the blocks. That's right. Those are the
0: blocks. Yep. You talk about those blocks. That's what's in my book.
2: That's why I'm bringing that up. Ah, (laughs) (laughs) There you go.
0: The secret that's holding you back, by the way, that's it. It's, It's all in there. And um, people just have to understand why and how it's blocking us. See? Yeah,
2: I mean, it's a deep dive. And sometimes it's uh, going back to places that you don't want to revisit. You don't want to go back there. And you have put these big blocks to protect yourself unknowingly. And you just don't know how to get out of your own way.
0: Well, Mary, the brain does that and it's for the purpose of survival believe it or not in order to have a survive and function in life the two highest functions of the brain are one to keep us alive two to protect us in order to keep us alive now we know how the brain protects us physically for example uh, you know if you get the coronavirus for example right one of the symptoms is a fever well the coronavirus is not making the fever The brain is because it is raising the body temperature to an environment hopefully unlivable for the virus and that's trying to kill off the virus. So that's why it raises the body temperature. Another way it protects us physically is if you lack oxygen, it will make you pass out. Why? Because when you're we're laying flat and we're a little unconscious, we breathe better. So now the body needs more oxygen, the brain lays us out, and we can breathe better. Okay, so if it does that physically, how does it protect us emotionally from those emotional traumas that so many people have been through? And the negative messages that you pick up from very young age, even in utero, you start picking up negative messages that you're holding to. Well, how does the brain get you to function then every day and protect you? It will create a whole new set of beliefs and a defense mechanism of some kind or many of them in order to shield you and protect you from those negative beliefs that you're harboring about yourself. Now, we know that psychologically. That psychologist, psychiatrist can talk about that all the time. I used to do that in my work with my clients, but now... We're not just body and mind. We're not just psychological beings and physical beings. We're spiritual beings as well. So what does that mean? We're energies. And as an energy, we're connected to a force, a power, a manifesting ability. That force and power is called the law of attraction, and it was created by source. Whatever created everything else, that's the power that we're turned into. George Lucas in Star Wars called it the force, and that was actually a story written about us. I know George and of George, and he's very metaphysical and spiritual, and that actually is a contemporary story of Abel. Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader um, the light the dark right then tapping into the force. Well the reason why that's so important to understand now is we are connected to that power but we're connected in our unconscious minds. That is what I discovered through all my research and work as a psychologist, as a as a metaphysician, um, as a spiritual teacher. All of this understanding allowed me to be able to connect the dots and realize, wait a minute, everybody is talking about the law of attraction and saying that when we think something, we create it. But that's actually not true. It's not your thoughts that create, it's your inner core beliefs that create. See, you can have any thought you want and you're sitting there wanting something, thinking you're gonna manifest it, and just from thinking it, it doesn't get manifested. A matter of fact, if it was connected that way in our conscious minds, just by thoughts, half this world would be dead and the other half would be billionaires from winning the lottery all the time because they just think it, right? It can't be that way. It has to be coming from our unconscious mind. But the problem is, what do you have packed away in your unconscious mind? And your unconscious mind accounts for 95 to 98 percent of your entire mind, Mary. Only one, two to five percent of your entire mind is in conscious awareness. So when people are walking around thinking they know what they're thinking and what they're believing. No, they don't. They have no idea what's going on in 95 to 98 percent of their mind. Right. And what's in there is their past, their past, those beliefs, those negative self-beliefs. And that's what I write about, because unless you change those beliefs, you're not going to change what you manifest. And you've right. got to get through the defense mechanisms that shield that, because most people do not believe what they think they believe.
2: Right. It's like when, when I work with clients and I talk about self-love, well, consciously, oh, yeah, I love myself. I love myself. But- you know, in their subconscious mind, they're beating the crap out of themselves.
0: You know? Absolutely. And then they wonder why they can't attract the right partner. It's just right. like attracting beings and relationships is the most natural thing on this planet because we set it up and created it that way so so love and relationship is so natural yet it is so deprived of functional relationships unconditional love is so deprived in the world today and it's not because you can't find the right person and you make bad choices it's because of the way you believe about yourself and what you're attracting in to your world who you you're attracting there, right?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: There was a psychological, when I was studying psychology, there was a psychological research done on women who are in domestic violent relationships. Okay. And the one thing that they discovered is that a woman can go to a party, right? One of these women, and there could be 10 men there, Nine of them are going to treat her perfectly, and one of them has an abusive background of women. She will wind up attracting that one guy to her. Now, why? Well, their theory was women who come from abusive fathers wind up attracting abusive partners. Well, to a certain extent, that was true, but it wasn't for all of them, but it was mostly true. But now they're saying, wait a minute, you're stopping the research. How does that work? So you're being abused by your father, right? And now you're growing up and you know that abuse is wrong, but now you're attracting other men who are going to abuse you as well. What is going on there? And through my research, what it is, Mary, is unconsciously, when you're a child, you blame yourself for everything. So what you learn from being abused is, I deserve to be abused. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Okay. Now that sounds unreasonable and ridiculous, but here's the proof of that. Try to take a woman out of a domestic violence situation. And there are many agencies that I worked with. Interact was a very famous one, um, especially in also in New Jersey area. Interact was around there as well, as well as North Carolina. And they were an agency that tried to counsel and and have a safe haven for women to go to. And as soon as they counseled that woman and told her she needs to get out of that relationship, the first thing the woman said is, it's not his fault, it's my fault, I get him angry. And then she's an adult, not a child. So if she is believing that consciously, can you imagine what she's believing unconsciously? And now because we're energies, She is putting that energy out into the universe and literally attracting somebody else into that, into her world that is going to be abusive of her. So if we see that in psychological research and scientific research, then we know the same thing can apply with love. If you don't believe you're lovable, you are not going to attract love in your life. And if you do, it'll only be love part time because there's that part of you that expects that it's going to fall apart. You'll sabotage it in some way because you do not believe you deserve it. And that's what happens with relationships. And that's why it's so important that people understand the workings of the mind and why I wrote my book and the techniques in it to break that.
2: It's amazing. I find so many people come to me about relationships. When am I going to meet the right person? When? Well, how about falling in love with yourself and having the relationship with yourself and healing yourself first? And then you'll attract the right. Love you, and, you. Bingo, know, and, Mary. And you look, yeah. And you look back at your life. What's the the pattern of what you've attracted in? So is it all of them? No, it's what the energy, like you said, because we... We are that energy. What we feel we deserve is what we're going to bring in.
0: Right. And, and it's like- it is, I have to laugh now because in doing my work, obviously, I speak with people when I do readings. I speak with people from all over the world. I mean, from Seoul, Korea, to Russia, to Japan, to Australia, from the top of the world to the bottom of the world. They're calling me. Okay. And regionally, I'll have different issues I have to deal with to break through because of those those inner child beliefs, right? Well, the funniest women to have to deal with in relationship in regards to relationship are New York and New Jersey women. I was
2: gonna say New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And why? Because they're not sitting there saying, oh, I made bad choices. Um, I don't know. Um, All they're saying, what a bunch of jerks are here. That's all I keep pulling into jerks. They are deaf. Their defense mechanism has every guy in New Jersey and New York as a jerk. (laughs) <laughs> it's the funniest thing. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, time out here. Oh, no, I believe I'm lovable, but how am I going to attract somebody who I deserve when all you have here are jerks?
2: Yeah, it's everybody else's fault. <laughs> I, can,
0: I can promise you right now, how many million people live in New York and New Jersey and out of all of them, all those guys, the male gender there are all jerks. Now, we can act like jerks, that's certainly true, but all people can. But I think yeah. it's so funny that they've got the answer right there. It's them. I'm like, okay, well then why didn't you ever think of moving out of New York and New Jersey then if you thought that that was the case? Because they truly don't believe that. That's only their defense mechanism that's believing that, right?
2: Right, right. That's so funny. Because being a Jersey girl, I get it. I get it. Yes. And we all have our stuff that we go through. You know, yep. we all have our things that we have to clear up and, and take care of. Myself, I've been through a whole lot, which brought me to where I am today. And I'm still single, but I'm single by choice. I I always, I'm happily single in a married world. Just because of my, when you talk about changing, you know, what you thought you were going to do because you got the call to do what you're doing. It's like right now, that's where my point, my purpose is I have to stay focused on where, how I can be of service and do this work. And as all this stuff, Falls out. I'm, you know, if I'm intended to have someone, I'm sure the right one will come along, but it's not top on my list.
0: (laughs) Ah, so you have a list of priorities, Mary.
2: Yes, and and my my clients and helping others is number one, besides my grandchildren, of course.
0: Okay, so yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to publicly, with all your listeners, use you as an example, if you don't mind. And let me help you. I, I was waiting
2: for, for you to embarrass me.
0: <laughs> no, not embarrass you. Just think about this. What is one of the greatest powers on the earth that we have as beings and spiritual beings? What is that power? It begins with an L.
2: Love, of
0: course. Exactly. Love. So love can empower us to do anything that we want to do. Isn't that true? Correct. So therefore, experiencing it and sharing it should be our top priority because then that's where we're going to get most of our power from. Correct. Okay. So anytime that love isn't the priority and it's secondary, that's because there's that little person in this in down deep inside in the unconscious mind that is saying, well, We don't necessarily want to put time into this just in case it's going to be a problem or it's going to um, uh, distract me. I've been with my wife for 50 years. We've been married 45 years gloriously. My entire time with her and the growth of the love that I have for her is what has given me the power and the love for everybody else. So I would put a challenge before you and everybody else that it should be the number one priority, because actually that's what we're here for. And when you love yourself, you gain enough power to be able to help anybody, children, adults, your friends, your neighbors, whomever the world. It's only because of the love that I'm sharing with my wife that I understand I have that is empowering me to be able to love other people as well. So I would, I would say think about that for a moment because love is the greatest power. And belief right. is what makes love work, belief in yourself. Belief in yourself right. as a higher being and connected to something more positive and, and great, right, and grand. And if, if everything was going copacetically on this planet, all we would be doing is walking around and loving each other Right? right, and sharing that love, right? Every yeah. day would be a, a real functional Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I mean? Is It's like, <laughs> that's the reason why we're supposed to get together, but a functional one, not a dysfunctional one.
2: Right, right. Right,
0: right. so and- love is what gets us going there. So let's see what happens with that, especially now that things are going well for you in this realm.
2: Yes, yes, and, and I do, I love what I do, and I right. spread the love to my clients, and what
0: it's,
2: do? Yeah, and it's just wonderful. So you it's not that I don't...
0: No, you deserve it as well. So watch, keep the door open and see what's happening. That might, <laughs> that might be a little psychic reading there for you. Okay, knight in shining armor for once coming along.
2: Well, that would be okay too.
0: <laughs> That's and the look, right time. We all... Like you just said, I'm still in the process. Because little Vinny was so tormented when he was younger, I have to deal with him every day. That's the other reason why I wrote my book, so that I can use it every day. And he'll pop his head up and I'm I'm successful in what I'm doing and very pleased and feel very blessed with that. But he will still come up and say, well, you're not good enough. And they don't really like you. Oh, they're only saying that because they're just being nice. All of these horrible negative things because he's scarred. We deal with the scars. Most people have taken care of their issues. That's why they have functioned. Mm -hmm. But the scars are there that become inflamed. And those scars will rear their heads every so often. And they will tell us certain things. And again, the defense mechanisms come out and try to put them in their place. But I like dealing with little Vinny and what he truly is believing so that I can at least attempt to change his beliefs. If I keep them hidden, He's influencing my life as he did in the past, and it kept me from growing. But now that I have him right in the forefront of my mind, as soon as I hear him, I can have a talk with him. And I can keep him from influencing that law of attraction, my manifesting. And it works. It works on a daily basis. But it does take work because of those scars, those dang scars that we have.
2: Oh yeah, we all have them for sure. You know, and it, there was so many years of my life that I looked outside myself for love and I did all those things. And now I'm finally like, I love myself. I love what I'm doing. am right. and, and you know, it it'll all fall into place as it should That's right. Yeah. I and I and I fought like like you, you know, you you wanted to be a, an actor and a singer and and then you get this and I I had my gifts when I was a child.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampy. Mm. Hello Fresh. <laughs>
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com people today.
2: And wow. I did not know what they were. And I was little. My father was a funeral director. My mother would find me in the dark funeral home playing with my friends. And that my family all thought, like, I, oh. you know, I was, uh, there she goes again, you know, marching to her own drummer. So it, I struggled and I blocked it because there was no one to talk about. Right. So there, it wasn't like it is today. In, in the 60s, this was like, oh, you're a gypsy, you know, on a wagon if you, you have this gift. So it caused me a lot of not feeling right and fitting in. I was so different. So of course in high school, I'm self-medicating doing all the wrong things. So I took the real long road to get here. And then, so. Oh,
0: you know what, you know, think about that for a moment. This is only one lifetime out of the many lifetimes that we had. So it's right. about yeah. a speck of time that you made lower choices. That's about it. It's a, a speck flip. of time that I made lower choices. But in the yeah. whole realm of things, I think we did pretty darn good.
2: That's right. That's right. My new thing with clients is like, oh, it's just a blip in the radar.
0: <laughs> right, it is a blip, you know, and that, see, that's the thing. I can look at my life now, I'm 68 years old, I'm very proud of it, and yes, I can see the beginning part of it, and maybe a part that I feel regretful about, because I didn't take my acting to the fullest extent, and I'm a singer, and I'm one of those Sicilians with a big voice, right? And I never, part of my defense mechanism was to believe I was so good that I didn't need classes, I didn't need lessons, and so I spent very little time trying to improve those abilities. I just thought I was good enough. Didn't even go to college back then. So I never got a chance to truly see where my talents could have gone, where my voice could have been. Could I have been a Josh Groban? Could I have been a Pavarotti? I could have because I came from that realm, right? But I right. didn't put the time in. So now I'm putting the time into this. But believe it or not, I still do perform. I just actually did a show just recently, Jersey Boys, um, here locally at a local professional theater, because right. I was in the mood to do a show. And I want people to understand the capacity of manifesting once you start believing in yourself that we have. So it had been 14 years. I I kept acting even though I was doing this on a full-time scale because there's a regional theater here, very professional. They bring in half of the cast from New York and Broadway, New York directors, and then the other half of the cast is local. And I was union and I was here. So I said, what the heck, let me do shows. So I did 21 different shows for this major regional theater and absolutely loved it. But then I went into this work full time and I wanted to really devote myself into this work. And so I gave up acting. So 14 years go by, this is recently, I was just in the mood, you you know, and I have conversations with spirit, force, source, whatever you want to call it, Yahweh, Elohim, all the time. And so I'm talking to God, I'm going, you know what? I'm in the mood to do a show. I'm in the mood to do a show, God. So if you would... Just let one and universe help out here. Let one appear that I could do. And if one appears that I could do, then I'll I'll be interested in it. Maybe I'll do it. All of a sudden, within a week of that, I get uh, an email newsletter from the local theater. And my wife, my, my wife, my daughter calls me at the exact same time and says, dad, dad, you're not going to believe this. But Theater Raleigh is doing Jersey Boys. You got to go for it. You can get into that here. Well, the special thing about Jersey Boys is back in 2008, because I had done so many regional shows here with so many New York directors, they were telling me, why don't you go back to New York now? Because you're a perfect age to do character roles on Broadway. So I said, and my wife said, hey, why don't you try it out? It's only a hop, skip and jump from here. And, you know, we'll just keep coming back and forth and see if you can get into the show and do a show for a little bit. You always wanted to be on Broadway. So I did. I got an agent and I auditioned for shows. The first show I auditioned for, they were doing replacement parts for Jersey Boys. And in Jersey Boys, there's a perfect character from New Jersey. He's a mobster gang leader, you know, you know, a boss, a mobster boss. Perfect role for me. Well, I actually auditioned for it and the casting director and the production team loved me, but the guy who was doing my part hadn't left yet, but they were holding me for the Broadway show. They wanted me to do the Broadway show. A year went by. The guy had still not left. And eventually they were putting on another tour show. They didn't want to hold me any longer. They wanted to put me right in a show. So they brought me in to now audition for the director. But the director turns around and says, "Mm, no, he's not subtle enough. He didn't like me because he had his own vision of the same guy who was like six foot tall, and the mafia guy that we're talking about is a real mafia guy from New Jersey. He was a short guy, my height, a little chunky, that kind of guy, but the director put his own mafia guy in place, right? Yeah. So he didn't like me, I didn't get a chance to do the show there, but now they're doing it here, right? And so I go to the universe, I say, hey, listen, if I'm meant to do the show, have them send me an invitation. The producer knows me, the director coming from Broadway. I worked with him before here. He knows me. Let them send me an invitation. And if I get that invitation, then that's a sign that I'm truly supposed to do the show. As soon as, and I'm telling you, I am not exaggerating. I had my iPhone in my hand while I was saying that. I said, okay, God, right? You're going to send me the invitation. That'll let me know I'm supposed to do the show. I go, and after I say that, I have to check my emails, because I get a ton of them every single day. I go to check my emails, and new ones just came in, and the very top one, in my view, is from a New York casting agent. Like, why is a New York casting agent writing to me? And I open up the email, and the email says... The production team of Jersey Boys at Theater Raleigh would like to invite you to come down to do the role of Gyp DiCarlo if you are interested.
2: That's fast.
0: <laughs> That's exactly what I said. I, I was stunned. I went, are you kidding me? Is this a tease? Is this real? Are you serious? that That's how fast. It's right here. Not even a day, not even an hour, a week, a moment. And there's yeah. the invitation at the very top. I can't make this stuff up. So, yes, so I went down, I saw them. I did the show. It was the best show because these people were from New York, the Frankie Valley, all of the four seasons. They were so talented. We got rave reviews. It was it was like doing the Broadway show for me. And I, yeah. I loved it. I had a blast. Good
2: for you. Thank
0: now it'll be maybe fourteen years before I do another one. But I did say, I did say, "Hey God, since you're so good at getting me a show that <laughs> I want to do, how about an invitation to do a Broadway show?" <laughs> <laughs> but, but I have to tell you something funny about that. My PR guy calls me. And says, hey, Vince, I wanted to talk to you about something. I just met and established a relationship with a guy who puts together New York shows for theater. I said, what? He said, <laughs> yeah, he produces New York shows. And I, I absolutely pitched you and that you should be doing a one-man show in New York. You know,
2: when you were just saying that, Vincent, I got to tell you, they came in and they said he's going to have his own show. That's what they what? told me I told <laughs> so them a message that. for you. <laughs>
0: I'll take that psychic message. I'm like, are you kidding me? I love the way the universe works. And I'm telling you, Mary, the only reason why I'm sharing that is not to make other people go, oh, I wish that happened to me. To make other people know that it can happen to you. But it takes belief, self-belief, belief belief that you deserve it. It's been this long since it took me to believe in myself, Mary, truly. And finally, I'm getting it. And as long as I get it for the rest of my life, I'll be completely fulfilled and knowing at least I got it. And that's why we're here to get it, to know that we are divine, magnificent, unlimited beings, and we can create what we want. And that's when you go, oh, I am some special soul that this force created. So is everybody else. Let's get them to believe and understand the same thing.
2: Right, right. So in your book, you mention about that self-belief and, you know, from as a child and what's so important. Um, What are the other things that you touch on in the book?
0: Well, I do touch on the different steps. So, so, yes, there's there's definite things that you have to believe in first. and and that helps. One, you can't believe that your story defines who you are. That's the bottom line. You Man. may have chosen your parents, and you may have chosen the beginning story to grow in some way, but you didn't choose them and you weren't born to them to define that that's who you are. Whether you're from a poverty-stricken family or a wealthy family, that does not define you. You've got to know that right from the get-go. No adult, no situation or circumstance defines you. You would defined. From the moment we were all created by this higher force, this greater power, we were created as magnificent beings in its image, bottom line. So you have to believe, if you don't want to believe that there's a divine force because you're still having problems with that part, you've got to at least acknowledge that you are more than this physical body. We've been proving that all the time. So is science. Quantum right. physics is, is studying all of that and proving every single day we're more than this body. Okay, so Mm -hmm. at least if you believe that, then you have to believe if you're more than this body, that that defines who you are, that you have worth and value. All energy, all living things have worth and value. So that's one of the first steps that you have to believe. Then you have to recognize that something took that belief away from you that you were not nurtured into believing that when you were growing up. Most children do not come from a home where the parents are, you know, the Brady Bunch, you know, family where mom and dad is constantly telling you, you're wonderful, you're unlimited, you can go after your heart's desire, you can create anything you want, you're a loving, beautiful person. No, that's not what we're getting. We're getting more things like, that's all you can do. You're going to do better than that. Um, I didn't raise you to be a bum and and um, you are a bum. That's all. That's You're your worthless. You're never going to grow up in a mountain to anything. Those are the messages that we got out there. Or watching the adults, the two most important people in our life, not even be able to get along and they're saying that that's a family. So we're living with lies. We're living with um, lack of, of representation and examples of what life is supposed to be. And so we Sit there with an undeveloped mind, developing all of these negative feelings about ourselves. We have to understand how those feelings develop and that they're not true. So, when you take these steps and you start to recognize, then you start opening up those doors. Okay. The next door to open up then is the understanding that the protective mind made different beliefs for you and that you don't believe what you think you believe. So when you're turning around and telling me that you've been through 10 different relationships or 10 different jobs, um, you can't get the job and you can't get the promotion that you want, um, that your boss is terrible, and and I'm like, and you're trying to convince me that you think you're good enough, I'm sitting there and I'm going, no, no, no way do you believe you're good enough. Otherwise, that would not be happening right now. And it takes me a bit to bring them down to all the criticism that they received. And they could never do anything good enough when they were young. Right. Because all the messages that they got a B wasn't good enough. You should have gotten an A or any of the work that you're doing is not good enough because nobody was ever pleased with what you did. So you're trying to convince me now that you believe you're good enough. No, you've got to recognize that your brain does that purposely just to get you through the next day. But those defense mechanisms, those in psychology, we call them coping skills and Mm -hmm. coping mechanisms. Well, you know what? To survive? Yes, you need coping mechanisms to thrive. You need something more than coping mechanisms. You need true belief. And once you recognize that you've got that in your way, you're taking the proper steps to get to the core of who you are. I In the book, I have this fabulous personification meditation exercise where I actually have you reconnect directly in a conscious way to the little kid inside of you where you're going to do some automatic writing for that little kid and have that little child inside of you speak to you and tell you what he or she is really believing. And when you bypass your left brain thinking, it's like a hypnosis process, but you're going to be doing it on your own. You are having direct communication so you can hear not just the adult making it up, but actually hear that inner child tell you no uh, you're not good enough or no you're not lovable or no you're not going to make good finances because you don't deserve it or you you're you're bad so you deserve to be sick and any of those things you will hear that child turn around and tell you things like that so that you go anybody who does that personification exercise they're they're blown away because they go oh my gosh do i really believe that do i really believe that and once they acknowledge that mary Then they're on the road to healing, because once you realize it, I get my clients to turn around and say, I'm not lovable because that's what they're really believing. And when they turn around and they say that, I ask them, how did that sound? And they said, that's the most ridiculous thing that I've heard. I said, yes, but that's what you've been carrying around hidden inside of you for how many years, 40 years, 30 years, 50 years, 60 years. And you've been hiding that belief. So what do you think you need to do? And they they answer it, I need to change that belief. Yes, you can change that belief. And then I give them the steps and the tools in there on how to change those beliefs. And it has to be a daily job and daily work. But it it, it is a difficult, let's put it this way. The process is easy, the practice is difficult. Because you have to do it all the time and not just get caught up in a mundane world. But if you do this kind of work, Mary, and it is deep and it is difficult to do it every single day, it's the most worthwhile work. It's it's I kind of liken it to having a baby. When women give birth to a baby. Right. They're going through the pain of having that baby. Of course, afterwards, there's this great joy then of the baby. But one of the things they don't realize, there is a hormone that your brain secretes to actually make you forget the actual pain. You may not forget the circumstances that you went through, but you can never relive that pain and refeel it. And the reason why that hormone is there, because women, there would not be 8 billion people on the face of the earth if women remembered the pain they went through through their childbirth. Because they'd only do it one time. They would only do it one time or never because they heard everybody else talk about it. But you do forget it. And it allows you to have another one. Well, this is the same thing. You'll go through this difficult emotional period where you're recognizing what you're really believing about yourself. And when you get on the other side of that, not only do you experience instantaneous manifesting, and even while you're doing the work, you're manifesting, you're receiving joy from that. You forget the pain that you went through when you were doing this work. You totally forget it. You th- you. You turn around and go, oh, my gosh, that was so easy. That's what happens when you do this work the right way. And it works for everybody the exact same way. People who have picked up my book get halfway through it and all of a sudden experience these positive things. I get emails upon emails upon emails from people all over the world who are seeing changes in their lives because they're doing the work from this book. And I'm thrilled with that. That's all I cared about in writing this book. I wanted it to affect people in a very positive way, and it is.
2: Good, good. Um, So when you were talking about, you know, the things that we hear growing up, isn't it also true that it's not just what we hear about ourselves, but what we witness? So when you were using the example of women that get abused and are in abusive relationships, and you said that the father abused them, but what about the women that witnessed the father abusing the mother, thinking that was a normal relationship? That doesn't that still affect them in the same okay. manner?
0: The way, okay, here's here is the thing. I'm gonna use this as an example. Okay. You can have two people watching the nightly news, right? And all the negative things that are happening on the nightly news, right? Both of them going, oh, my God, I can't believe that that's happening again. Man, we really got to do changes. And both people get upset initially. But then one leaves and says, see, that's the reason why I can't watch the news. I can't stand this. This is absolutely horrible. Life sucks. And then we're just going to die. So why is, what, what is this all for? And then the other person goes, well, I'm actually motivated to go out there and do some more help. That's where I come from. I can watch all those negative things and not one of them affects my attitude and my belief because there's nothing with inside of me, those hurts I've worked on, Right. When you are affected, I, I assure you this, when a child is watching daddy abuse mommy, there was no love given to that child either. Yeah. Not enough. So right. there is set, definitely a negative already ingrained in that child, and now they're witnessing. So to a child, if a child gets abused, if mommy gets abused, if the dog gets abused, it doesn't make a difference. It's the same outcome.
2: Right. 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 They blame
0: themselves for everything because yeah. they're they're egocentric. Children are egocentric. Their minds are undeveloped. So while daddy is beating mommy, that child is saying, maybe if I wasn't born, daddy wouldn't be doing that to mommy. Right. Right.
2: They take so it's it on still
0: side. about them and they're still taking it on. So it's right. not just what you see happening in the world. There has to be a predisposition with inside of you to have it affect you. Have you 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 understand you're in this field Have you heard of the the concept of empaths in my practitioner world? Okay. All right. So now there's some practitioners out there who believe that empaths are so sensitive human beings. Oh, my gosh. They're so loving. They're so caring that they just can't see another person's pain because they take it on as their own. And there's actually courses for these empaths on how to heal themselves and not be so sensitive and take on everybody else's negativity. And, and energy. I'm telling you right now, there's no such thing as an empath who's capable of taking on another person's energy. We would all be victims if we are capable of that. What those people are doing is another person's pains are inciting their own.
2: Yeah, it's a mirror. So-
0: They are feeling their own pains, not the other person's, their own. So if they took care of their own issues, their own pains, they could sit there. I was a hospice social worker. And yes, I had empathy, which was different. I wasn't going through. I didn't have cancer and none of my immediate family members had cancer. So I don't know what it feels like to be losing one of those members. But I can imagine how painful that would be because if I look at one of my own children or my wife or, or anybody in my family who is dying of cancer, oh my gosh, I, I can imagine the pain, but it's not that I'm feeling the pain. And so I was able to empathize with my clients and be there and hold their hands with them while they were going through this pain, but I wasn't taking it on as my own. I felt sadness for them. And there would be times that I would go home and just cry. And I allowed myself to because I was sad for all. And I still do. I'm sad for all the suffering that people go through. I'm not feeling it. And I can function because what it does is it motivates me. But because I have compassion, Jesus did that. That was the whole meaning of when he went back, when Lazarus died And he went back and Lazarus's sister, right, sisters, came up to Jesus crying. Where were you? If you were here, you could have saved him. You could have healed him. He wouldn't have died. Well, Jesus started crying. He didn't cry because Lazarus died. He cried because he knew what he was about ready to do. He was going to bring Lazarus back. But he cried because his sisters were hurting so much. Right. From the loss right, right? And so I cry for the same reason, but I'm not taking on the pain, and that's what these empaths have to understand. They have to heal themselves and they won't right. be be feeling the same way with others and they can deal with other people's pains. You deal with other people's pains and you can uh, get through it.
2: I was just going to say, and as a, a counselor, you know you, we hear so much and I can oh. identify with so much and have empathy for them, but I don't take it all on. Uh, and there's a there's a connection because I've lived through so much I can really identify but once I heal those things that emotion is not connected anymore that That's negative right. emotion.
0: absolutely we call it transference and counter transference in the professional counseling world yeah. yeah right when your emotions get to such because of what your client is telling you they warn you about that and they right. tell you right away. Well, it's the same thing in our practitioner world, our metaphysical, spiritual, paranormal world. You're right. not taking on somebody else's vibrations. You're just reminding yourself of your own. And, and that's what needs to be healed.
2: Yeah. And it's really a gift when that comes in, because it says, okay, wait a minute. There's a little more work I need to do here. You know, let's clear this out take care of it. The
0: unfortunate thing is they're being distracted from doing that work because they're being told how special they are for feeling that way. So instead of teaching them how to heal their own selves, they're just teaching them, oh, well, you can get along, just, just avoid it. You know, just, if you see, if you get into a room where you start feeling that, just leave, you know, because you're going to take that on. And I'm like, oh my gosh, then we need to get our own mountains. There's so much pain going on in the world out there. You can't walk out the door without somebody being in pain next door to you.
2: Right, right. Yeah, because the collective energy is really, really wonky right now. So if you are oh, only are and you're, and you're picking up, oh, I'm so empathic, I can't deal with this, what's going on? You know, yeah, no. You can't.
0: Oh, forget it.
2: <laughs> you're right. I'd never leave my house. <laughs> no,
0: you never. And some people don't leave their house, they don't turn on the news. Oh, I don't watch that crap. Oh, really? Yeah. So by not watching it, that means it's not happening? because that's what they do is it's like okay so if you can't watch it because it gets you upset then at least acknowledge well i've got to take care of my own issues because that upsets me too much but you want to be able to know what's going on in the world number one without being affected negatively by it be motivated in some way to to do make it more positive in your own life i'm going to bring out more love i'm going to tell my my loved ones how much i do love them i'm going to spend more time with them i'm going to do something constructive and positive for my neighbor let all the nonsense that you're seeing. That's what's supposed to be happening to us is change it within you because that's the only way to heal what's going on out there. Add Absolutely. positive energy to the pool, not negative fearful energy.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So your book is available on Amazon. I believe Tiffany put the link. on
0: Yes, Amazon. You can order through Amazon. You can order through any major book company, Barnes & Noble. They all have them. But at Amazon, of course, you've got the Kindle version. And I also have through Audible, the audio version, which is great um, because I deal with so many people who drive a lot and drive as a business. So they've been downloading the Audible version of it and buying the book as well so that they can highlight different sections of it. So it, that's where you get it. And, of course, you can always go to my website, which is VincentJenna.com, and link through it through there and link to me through there. Um, And I communicate with people. I even have a group, The Secret That's Holding You Back Facebook group where people have gone on and shared some of their experiences in doing the work, and I communicate with you there um, if you're having a problem or you're coming across a stumbling block or you have some th- something wonderful you want to share as an experience, I'll actually communicate with my members of that group there.
2: See, and that's spreading the love. You're taking the time to spread We're the trying, love. We're
0: trying, right, Mary? We're trying. We're trying. Right. We have to, right? We do. We do. I people love. need to understand something. Life is actually black and white. That's the bottom. People think that there's too many shades of gray. And really, you can't apply those areas to some of the things that they're saying are gray. It's black or white. You either believe in yourself. You don't believe in yourself. You make a higher choice. You make a lower choice. You're either happy or you're not happy. You're either experiencing love or you're not experiencing love. It's that simple. So when you're doing this work, you're either believing in yourself or not believing in yourself. You're either living by your fears or you're living by your positiveness. So keep it simple like that and understand that. And so it makes it easier to sit there and be able to acknowledge what work you do need. All right, today I'm not doing so good. So I'm kind of like not in my happy zone. That's it. So let me get in my flop over to the other side and do what I can to get over into my happy zone. Simple. Oh, well, I'm in this gray area. I'll hover around there for a bit. No such thing. What that is, is more about denial than anything else. You can just you just make the choice and the commitment for yourself because you deserve it to do this work. And right. here's, the, here's the part that's black or white. You're either part of the cure or you're part of the problem. There is no middle ground. Absolutely. And so you decide who you want to be and where you want to be.
2: Right, right. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope that you will come back sometime, Vincent, because you're a heck of a lot of fun and very intelligent. You have a lot to offer. Oh,
0: listen to you. Of course I'll come back. This is great. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. I totally appreciate it. And if it wasn't for um, lighthouses like you, you do your own work, but you're also a lighthouse because you're putting out the light for the public to see and hear. And if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have the opportunity to get my message out there. So thank you so much for that. I totally appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody that's listening and who was on the chat. We really appreciate it. Spread that light and that love out there. Thank you so much.